Angela, and welcome to the third episode of my podcast series, where I invite key thought leaders and experts to share their perspectives on current topics impacting our business, the workplace, and society. Today, our guest is someone I know through my work as a board member of the Pfizer Foundation, Dr. Adrian Gardner, Executive Field Director of Ampath, one of our Pfizer Foundation partners. Ampath is a partnership between Moy University, Moy Teaching and Referral Hospital, and a group of North American universities led by Indiana University and the Kenyan government. Together, they work to deliver holistic, sustainable healthcare in Kenya. Adrian is actually based full-time in Eldoret in Kenya, and we recently had the opportunity to meet on our trip to Africa, but he's only in the U.S. for a very short time, and we're lucky to have him with us today. Adrian, it is so great to have you in the studio today. You're special because not everyone ends up in a role like yours, even if they're passionate about healthcare. And both of us um, share a passion for addressing healthcare inequities around the world, but we come at it from different roles given the jobs that we have. So my first question to you is the following, which is, can you tell us a little bit more about how you came to be where you are in your life today and your work in Kenya? Is this the sort of work you imagined yourself doing when uh, when you started out in your career? Well, thank you so much, Angela, for the opportunity to be here today and also to, to highlight some of Ampath's work. But um, I, I think, you know, I really didn't set out necessarily to, to do this. I think um, as I reflect on my own life, I had an opportunity to live in a, a few different countries in my early childhood days. And I think those experiences did allow me to appreciate at least that there was a there was a difference in the way people lived in different parts of the world. But it really wasn't until my fourth year um, of medical school at Brown University where I could participate in a, in a clinical rotation in Eldoret, Kenya, as part of this Ampath Medical Exchange program that I really got to see how life and healthcare is different in a resource-limited setting like Kenya. And I remember just being really struck by the stark contrast, the beauty of the natural environment, the spirit of the Kenyan people, and yet the abject poverty and the tremendous health challenges that people endured. And my experience there in 2001 as a medical student was just when the HIV epidemic was nearing its peak. And Empath was just beginning to conceive of a response to that, as we'll talk about. And I felt a, kind of a pool to be part of this sort of global mm-hmm. team to try to respond to this epidemic, because it was this massive thing that people recognized was going to be a major challenge for the world. Um, and I just kind of drawn into that. And I'd always enjoyed caring both for individual patients, but also patients uh, that have diseases where you have to think about the community too. So tuberculosis and HIV, where there's a real public health component to it. And um, so those things can just kind of drew me in. And now I've been there for eight years in Kenya and Eldoret, and we uh, loving every minute of it. So. Well, having witnessed uh, both your work life as well as have the opportunity to meet your wife, um, and uh, true to everything that you said, you know, the beauty of Kenya, the nature, the people, I uh, can totally understand why you're so inspired and impassioned by uh, the work that you do there and, and living there. So um, many of our listeners, though, don't have the opportunity to, um, to experience what you have, and they may not be familiar with uh, what you see every day on the ground, both in terms of living in Eldoret um, and having seen so much change in local health services over the last several years. So that leads me to my second question, which is, can you help paint a picture for our listeners about life for the average person in Eldoret? 
And what differences do you see in these everyday lives now that empath has become a part of the community? Yeah, thanks. I think it's, I think it's tempting to make broad generalizations about uh, living in Kenya or Kenyans or even sub-Saharan Africans, but you know the truth is that differences exist just like they do here, right? So in the U.S., there's a big difference between a rural environment and an urban environment, between wealthy and poor. And in Kenya, it's the same thing. There are you know professors who wear suits and drive nice cars in Eldoret, but there are also many who live in thatched homes with no electricity, no running water and very little food to eat. So, you know, I can remember a 10-year-old girl that I saw in clinic a few weeks ago who's orphaned. Both her parents died from HIV. She lives with her brother who, um, who along with his wife, sells biscuits and sodas to truck drivers at night. Uh, he goes out at night and sells them and gets the trucks parked on the side of the highway at night. And that's how he makes a living. And then he takes that money and, and pays school fees for his 10-year-old sister with that money. And, you know, you can just imagine how desperate a situation that is and you know she's she's HIV infected so without access to Ampath she really I mean it's very likely she would have been dead years ago um, so I think you know there are countless examples of patients like that who have benefited from Ampath and from the support that companies and foundations like Pfizer have invested um, you know a young woman with breast cancer who has struggled to find the money to make a visit to the health center and she's visited three different health centers and seen four or five different providers only to be misdiagnosed before she actually finally makes it to Moy Teacher Referral Hospital and accesses the right diagnostics. So, you know, last year, patients from all four to seven counties in Kenya traveled to Eldoret for quality cancer care. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't have to happen, Mm -hmm. that you have to travel that far just to get some sort of service. But you can imagine the barriers that exist before they reach there and just how challenging those are to people who have so little. Absolutely. Well, you know, you paint a vivid picture of healthcare in, uh, like you say, in so many different settings. And uh, certainly, again, you know, just seeing your work in action, it was so impactful, um, so meaningful and profound. And uh, I think it reminds all of us, um, and particularly all of us here at Pfizer, our mission, which is to uh, bring um, care and, and breakthrough medicines to patients, um, how important our work is, the examples you've just given us, are great reminders of why we need to continue on the path that we're on and, um, and do our work with urgency every single day. One of the things I admire most about Empath is that it has evolved so much and uh, created such a high standard of care. So uh, you talked about your beginnings as an HIV platform, but of course today it's so much more than that. So can you walk us through Empath's journey as an organization? How do you think Empath's managed to achieve such a strong and sustainable model of care? Yeah, I could talk about Empath all day. How long do you have? Um, so, you know, the Empath Partnership really started in 1988-89 when Indiana University partnered with Moy University Faculty of Health Sciences at that time and its teaching hospital, the now the Moy Teaching and Referral Hospital. And the first class of medical students came to that medical school in 1990. And so IU, uh, Indiana University, placed faculty on the ground in Kenya to help provide care for patients, teach students, and work alongside their Kenyan counterparts on faculty at Moy University and MTRH. And this kind of partnership was fairly unique at the time um, because the program leaders uh, set out to lead with care um, rather than focus on the more traditional sort of training and research activities that many academic institutions sort of make the foundation of their international partnerships. 
So for the first 10 to 12 years, we had this robust bi-directional medical exchange program, some faculty development activities, and an emphasis on teaching students in Kenya about the social, social and biological determinants of health. So they had this community-based curriculum where they would go out and actually see how people lived in rural environments, not just sit in you know, urban mm-hmm. clinics and wait for people to come to them. In 2001, we, and I say we, like Kenyans and North Americans working in partnership together under Kenyan leadership, um, realized that we built this nice partnership in the middle of the worst pandemic the world's ever seen. And building upon that institutional partnership, we felt, you know, need to respond to that. So this is emblematic of another unique characteristic of Ampath, I think. Ampath doesn't exist as a legal entity, as you know. It's not an NGO. It's simply a partnership between a group of North American institutions and these two Kenyan government parastatals. Uh, And as such, it draws its mandate from the needs of the surrounding community and has to be responsive to those rather than the needs of a particular funding agency. So over time, the Empath HIV program has has, uh, garnered support from uh, USAID through PEPFAR and other donors. um, And Empath now supports the care of over 150,000 HIV patients across 55 sub-counties in western Kenya. And we have a you know, range of screening and care activities that are supported across the entire spectrum of the Ministry of Health system, from homes in the community to local health centers and ultimately to the National Referral Hospital. So then in 2009, I would say is the next, next major sort of shift. So Ampath made a conscious decision to seek support for broader health systems strengthening rather than pursuing a siloed approach to mm-hmm. HIV alone. This was, I guess, in part a return, if you will, to the original vision of what an academic health center should and can do for its community, and recognizing that a whole system, a more holistic approach to that made more sense than trying to build silos for each individual disease state. So this has now grown into what we call our population health and universal health coverage um, initiative. Um, and it's really inclusive of community-based microfinance and agri- agricultural mm-hmm. activities, as you saw when we were there mm-hmm. when we met that, that group of ladies out mm-hmm. in the community. Um, efforts to help in- individuals and communities generate wealth. Um, then it has this sort of attempt to make a seamless care system um, across all levels of the health system from maternal child health, infectious and non-communicable diseases. Um, including building the special capacity of the National Referral Hospital. So m- many of our North American partners work at the National Referral Hospital to develop um, specialty capacity. And we've now, I mean, it sounds a little crazy, but we're doing 18 renal transplants this this year. And we've got open heart surgery happening. And we've got you know robust oncology program that's coming up. And so you really have to, you know, you have to work at the primary health care level yep. to try and promote health and prevent some of these things. But you also have to be responsive to the needs of those who already suffer from you know, more advanced uh, complications. And then finally, the last the last piece of that is really an effort to leverage domestic health financing to promote universal health cover so that ultimately this is sustainable by Kenyans and, and we don't need the donor support as much in the long run. So, mm-hmm. It's been extraordinary just uh, the impact that um, this collaboration has had um, in so many aspects of, um, of patients' lives as individuals, as you say, but through different stages of their disease, different severity of diseases, um, reaching into even the communities for microfinancing, as you say. And for those of you um, who haven't looked at my LinkedIn post, I'd invite you to do that as well, because I uh, posted some pictures from my trip in Africa, and you'll see the, uh, the, um, the village women that we went to visit um, and um, it was a day when they had a meeting um, about their microfinancing approaches. So uh, I invite you to go and take a look at that as well. We talked earlier about how Ampath is the Pfizer Foundation partner. 
And I'm really proud of that, that um, relationship that we have. I'm a big believer that health inequity issues that we face around the world cannot be solved by one group alone. It truly is a partnership. So what's your perspective, Adrian, on the power of partnerships to create meaningful change where it's needed most? Yeah, I think partnerships are absolutely critical to success, however you define success. I mean, Ampath itself, of course, is an institutional partnership built upon years of individual personal relationships. I think it's also worth noting it's not always uh, about getting it right the first time. I think one of the things that makes uh, is evidence of the, the strength of Ampath's partnership is that um, we can make mistakes and learn from them. So perhaps one of the most meaningful accomplishments really in Ampath is to have created a resilient partnership that withstands time and isn't threatened by, quote, failure of any individual project or effort. Um, but we're really constantly learning from those mistakes and then rethinking it and reapplying it again. Um, but Ampath has also formed partnerships with a number of multilateral donors and, of course, private and corporate entities in order to strengthen the health systems. And our, our partnership with Pfizer is a wonderful example of that. Mm-hmm. I'm really proud of that, that it truly is a partnership. So a last question for you, Adrian, as we wrap up. What are you most excited about as you look to the future of global health? Where do you think the biggest opportunity to create positive change would be? It's a good question. I think, you know, global health is really, I think, a philosophy more than it is uh, something that's bound by geographic barriers. So I would say, by my definition, at least, or by many people's definition, there are people in New York City who are, who are practicing global health, who are attempting to develop and implement creative solutions to address the needs of the underserved. And I think there are huge opportunities for North Americans to learn from what we've done in Kenya and from actually the, the models of care that we've developed there, a system that lacked anything, um, can have a real impact here. People refer to that as reciprocal innovation or global local. And within this, the, the Indiana University Center for Global Health, we've already begun applying those lessons learned to some of the local challenges in Indianapolis. So we're using community health workers, for example, mm-hmm. to try and find women who are at high risk for complications of um, uh, complications of pregnancy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or are likely to have more complicated pregnancies and try to get them linked with care and engaged in care earlier so those things can be prevented. On an international front, we are excited to be trying to begin the process of replicate the Ampath academic partnership model, um, both in Ghana and in Mexico. And so that's just in the very beginning phases, but I think we're excited about that, that possibilities there and um, would love to see it replicated because I think it really is a mm-hmm. model that has unique attributes and, and can have a huge impact. Absolutely. Um, but I think the other thing more broadly that excites me is that there's just more and more young people interested in learning more about the world right, and understanding how connected we all are. And the world has become a small place through advancements in you know, communication technology and computer technology. And I think um, newer systems for capturing and sharing data in real time, I mean, are going to revolutionize our approach to sort of global uh, as a global community to, to addressing health problems. And we're going to need to improve cooperation around the world, I think, <laughs> to try and address the, the, the world we live in. Absolutely. As you say, the healthcare is is truly global in every way and it's not, you know, it's not any specific country. We see so many aspects of it play out wherever we live in a developing world or in a developed world. So, couldn't agree with you more the sort of convergence of what we can do together is um is is um is really true now because it's facilitated by technology. Well, Adrian, as you said, we could talk about Ampath <laughs> all day, but our time does come to an end. Um, so I can't thank you enough for making time in your very busy schedule to stop our studio and to join me today to do this recording. 
I uh, hope that we'll have the opportunity to do more of this. I'm excited on behalf of Pfizer and Pfizer Foundation to continue our work together. So thank you, Adrian, for being here. Well, thank you for the opportunity and for, for all the support that Pfizer provides us. It really goes a long way. Thank you.